you're listening to Leading and Living with Impact and Influence, where we walk with leaders to live a life of exceptional impact, influence, and faith. All right, James. Hey, I am. Uh, I'm always excited to have guests. I'm really excited to have you on as a guest. Now that I've dug into your credentials, your history, what you've done, what you're doing right now, like I'm really stoked about talking about a lot of things with our people here. But really quick, if you don't mind, give a give our people a highlight. Uh, you've done so many things. You moved from Australia to Cal- to California, but like, give everybody an idea of who James Whitaker is. Will do. Well, first of all, Josh, thanks for having me on and for having a fantastic podcast and helping all the people that you've helped. I know you're doing some amazing work. Uh, I moved to Boston in 2012 and I, I was there for a year to study an MBA before I moved to California. So okay. I've been in California now for about the last 10 years. Uh, I was involved in creating a movie about Think and Grow Rich, the best-selling self-help book of all time. So I made yeah. a movie about that called Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy. And that gave me a great partnership with the Napoleon Hill Foundation, Success Magazine, it helped me interview hundreds of, of really influential people like Barbara Corcoran and Rob Deerdeck and Bob Proctor and so many other people like that who I'm uh, fortunately still have great relationships with today. And that just got me speaking on stages and eventually I went on to launch my own podcast called Win the Day with James Whitaker uh, and just doing a lot of things like that. And, and another thing that I'm doing is a, a business called We Are Podcast where I help business owners who have a podcast get more listeners, get more clients and get more credibility. So yeah, a few different things, but uh, I love doing all of it. I love, like, one of the things I was I was so intrigued by when I kind of uh, dove into you is this, the whole thing about the think and grow rich, the legacy. Um, obviously, a, uh, a tremendously impactful book for the entire world. Uh, was that something that, was that something that you grew up, like, did you read that and then you just were so inspired by that? Like, how did you have this connection and be able to get to that point where you're actually creating the legacy movie from it? Jim Rowan was, he was really the the personal development godfather for me. So I sort of, my foray into the personal development self-help world was through Jim Rowan. He's so iconic. He had that amazing voice. I still listen to his audio programs. He's got something called the Jim Rowan Smooth Mix, which is still available on Spotify, where they took excerpts from his speeches and they put it into like this amazing music. So you can listen to it over and over again. It doesn't get boring and it doesn't get dry like it would if you were listening to the same seminar over and over again. And as I really dug deep into that field, that is when I went back to Napoleon Hill, who was one of the greatest influences, if not the primary influence for Jim Rowan. And that was the way that I found my way back to Napoleon Hill. Now, Think and Grow Rich was the book that had always changed my my dad's life. So I've been acutely aware of its power for a long, long time. And then when I had the opportunity to produce the film and write the book, Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy, um, as part of that, it was very important to me that I did something that was not a substitute. It needed to, to pay its respects to a book that you could never rewrite, yeah. a timeless classic like Think and Grow Rich. So I thought with that, well, um, people naturally enjoy short stories. They remember stories more. So that's why I tried to make Think and Grow Rich a legacy, really a collection of short stories, as well as an overview of each of the 13 principles of Think and Grow Rich in a modern context, something that would be more of a compliment than a substitute. Man, it's a, I, I love it. I love what you did with the book. And it's really inspiring to see how you've been able to even build upon that legacy. Uh, you know, the whole idea of what you've got is win the day. It's interesting as I was as I was diving into more and more of your work and the things that you're doing to help people become successful, 
one of my uh, my favorite books is called Win the Day. It's by Mark Batterson. He's a pastor out in Washington. And I just can't help it. There's a huge correlation of like how he's approaching winning the day and then what you're doing to help people win the day in their lives. Um, I'm just curious for on this too, is that, you know, were you always like growing up, I mean, did you know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Did you know that you wanted to be a leader? Did you know like there was a greater purpose and a meaning in your life? Or what was that like for you as you were getting into becoming who you are today? It's a great question. And I'll be interested to see if any of your listeners or any people watching this can can feel the same as this. I grew up not wanting to be an entrepreneur. I grew up as someone who just didn't seem to fit that much in the traditional path. Mm. I was I just grew up more as the black sheep. I had an older brother who performed very well academically, has had a very stable, very traditional career path, doing amazing things in the world of corporate finance as a partner for a big accounting firm in, in Brisbane, Australia. He stayed in the same city where he grew up and he was a year and a half older than me. And we just couldn't be more worlds apart. We're very, very close, but we couldn't be more worlds apart in terms of our careers where I eventually realized that I naturally gravitated more towards people who had their own businesses and started having these conversations. And it was only when I had moved to Boston that I became immersed with people who were my age or younger who were doing things like launching businesses and raising money that I thought to myself, wow, if they can do it, then I can do it. And then the journey from there where I was able to interview all of these different people, like I mentioned earlier, and, and hundreds more at this point too, I realized that they are no smarter than me, that if mm. they can do it, I can do it. And ever since then, I've, I've never actually, I can hand on heart say that I've never once doubted my ability in that time in terms of the last sort of five years that I've been on this journey uh, where I've been writing books in America, had my podcast, interviewing all of these different people. Now, I certainly have felt frustrated and I've felt impatient, mm-hmm. but I've never doubted my own ability from the moment that I was able to meet all these different people because I realized that they're just everyday people. They were dedicated. They were persistent. They were using the power of relationships. They were very specific in terms of the mission that they had and how they went about it. And that's exactly the same route that I've followed. So when you made that decision to move to Boston, how how old were you? I was 28 when I moved to Boston. Okay. Did you ever like imagine yourself in America earlier to that? Yeah, a lot of a lot of people in Australia they they grow up and they they want to go and move to to the UK. Now okay. you think about UK the, the UK they support soccer. I'm not I'm not a big soccer guy. A lot of my close friends love soccer. I'm just not a big soccer guy. Yeah. It's crappy weather over there. Uh, the American <laughs> culture and, and I don't know. It's just I've always gravitated a lot towards the American culture and being okay. here. So it had been a dream of mine for a long time to go and study an MBA in America. So that was the the thing there where I was like, look, if I can just get to America. But when I finished that degree, I realized that I was in a country. I ended up moving to LA where I didn't know, I knew one person who I hadn't connected with in a long time, a friend from from Brisbane, and I had just started seeing a girl who we had got together from a wedding two weeks before. So there I was in LA and I was like, what am I going to do now? And I ended up firing resumes out to so many different companies. I'm talking like probably more than 80 companies. I didn't hear a single thing back until my university had arranged an interview at one company. And... Um, they were, you know, they just lowballed me so hard in terms of the salary. I was like, I was literally making four times this before the uh, the MBA, and uh, I had done the um, the the class speech. Like I was voted class speaker for the entire university for that year, wow. and the second in charge of Coca Cola globally spoke after me, and she actually came up to me afterwards and she said, "I loved your speech. If you move to Atlanta, I'll give you any job you want." And I was wow. like, "Wow, that was really cool." And that was part of it too, where I was like, "Look, I have, I must." 
must have some expertise to be able to give. And then as I was working for some of these different companies, I reached a point where I was like, why am I spending all of my time to make someone else's dreams come true? I got to refocus and start going all in on the things that I'm doing on the side to make them more of the main focus so I can start making more of my dreams come true and building out the team uh, around me who can help support that vision. I think that's awesome. And one of the things that you talk about is that your superpower is really helping people get clarity in their life. And, you know, with maybe giving away everything, to me, the obvious question to me is like, well, how do you do that? Because I think we're all searching for that. I can't tell you how many people I talk to about like, man, I wish I knew what to do. I wish I knew what direction to go into. And there just seems to be this haze over their future and they just can't see it or they're in the forest and they can't see what direction, what path. How do you help people define and get clarity in their life? Well, I've, I've sat down with billionaires and people who are, you know, running funds that have got billions and billions of dollars with it. I've spoken to people who have just started out in their careers. I feel like, you know, I've interviewed people who are on death row. I've interviewed Navy SEALs, like our mutual friend and other people in the special forces. I've got like a really wide spectrum of all the people who I've interviewed and, and had conversations with and who have been clients of mine. And inevitably, the people who feel like they're treading water or they're not living with purpose or with passion, it's because of two things. They're not clear on who they are and they're not clear on where they want to go. Mm-hmm. Now, that's something to me I feel like you need to do at least once a year. And if you're in a relationship with someone, you know, with your wife or your husband, sit down with them. Tell me who you are. What are the values that are most important to you? Yeah. What are the values that we share? What are the goals that you have individually? What are the goals we have for our family, for travel, experiences, career? What are the goals that we have together? What are the things that I'm going to do for myself? And once you can start doing things like that, and I have a free resource called a success plan template. It's available for free. Uh, You can click the link in my bio uh, if you want access to that or or go to my website, jameswitt.com. And that is, you write down your values and you write down your personal mission and it Mm -hmm. just guides you through all of those different things. We we start off with a a, a really comprehensive idea of who we are, then a very comprehensive definition of where we want to go. And then we reverse engineer that to figure out what are the steps that we need to take today? What are we going to do to win today? Completely releasing ourselves of worry from the future and the past because all we're doing is focused on putting one foot in front of the other, because that's where our anxiety and our doubt and our worry live. They live in the future and the past. So by just getting that taken care of, knowing that we've already written the ending for the story, let's just live the chapter. Let's just live the page that we're on today and keep moving forward. Uh, I think that's brilliant. I think once again, as you're you're saying that, it just reminds me how often those without that clarity, those without that vision for their life, are the ones that are constantly asking that, right? And for those of us that do have a vision, you know, we do get sidetracked and we have to get back on that interstate and we have to be able to make sure that we are set for that goal again, right? I'm curious, um, do you feel like everybody can be successful? I do. A question that I often ponder that I don't really sort of verbalize is that I wonder if everyone is living to the best of the potential that they have based on their experiences and their DNA and Mm. and everything else. Um, My gut feel on that is that, no, I don't think people are living up to their potential um, across the board. I think a lot of people... I think everyone, I think everyone in a lot of different stages of their lives need help. So I'm very, very focused on giving help, but I'm at a point in my career now where rather than having too many of these one-off conversations with people, I want to give people a hand up when they're ready to have a hand up. And what I used to do was try and help everyone. And all that happened was it just me trying to pull everyone up meant that some people started to pull me down. 
I ended up burnt out and it was a horrible situation. So when yeah. I interviewed John Asaraf, who was from the movie The Secret, he yeah. said to me, help the people who want the help, not the people who need the help. There's a lot of people out there who need a lot of help, but they don't want it. Even sometimes they, they claim, they might verbalize and say, yeah, can you help me? But you know, they're not committed to that, that plan. Yeah. Now, if someone out there who I can tell through their actions, I don't care where they're at in their careers. If someone has proven to me that they've got this commitment, they'll do what it takes. They'll commit through the, the long game to see it through. I will do everything I can. I'll move mountains and open up my network and expertise yeah. and everything else to help those people because they're serious about it. I had um, someone this morning, a, a client of mine who uh, has been overcome a amazing hardship who's now getting awesome results because she has that commitment and i've seen other people out there who have all the potential they have all the foundation and they just can't get out of their own head and it's very frustrating to watch but ultimately you need to let them do what they got to do there might be a point when they come back and hat in hand and say they're ready to go and then it's up to you to figure out whether or not you want to take that on board but there are people out there who just yeah, who just won't won't do it. I'd love that. I'd love actually to hear your thoughts on uh, on that as well with your experience. Yeah, no. I, well, first of all, let me tell you that for anybody, everybody listening, that interview that you did with John was awesome. Really great interview. You are, you do such a great job interviewing people, but you also do a great job listening to them as they unfold and unpack with that question that you ask them. Um, I would say the best response that I've heard on this is I, I interviewed a gentleman and he when we, when I asked him a very similar question. He said that he spoke to a paratrooper, right? And the paratroopers are the guys that go out there and they, they save the Navy SEALs when they're in bad situations. And he goes, when they go out on a mission out in the ocean and they know that they can only take on so many people and then there's so many more people that need to be saved, he asked him the same question, said, who do you save? And he said, the ones that swim to the helicopter. And I thought that was absolutely brilliant because it's exactly what you talk about, right? We unfortunately try to save everybody and we all know that we're not the savior. We're actually a leader and our job is to lead people, but you can only lead people that want to be led. So I think your answer is absolutely brilliant, but I love that analogy. It's always stuck with me mm. and it's, it's always- a big really, mic drop moment, isn't it? It yeah. is, you know, it's, it just- It's huge. It helps because in those, because we have such a strong desire to- well, first of all, live out our purpose, which you have identified, you know your purpose, uh, you know your superpower, you know your strength, you know your mission. And when you want to share that with the world, it's really tough to share it with those that don't want it, right? Yeah. Because you yeah. you become that person that wants it more for them, and that never works out to be beneficial for anybody. For sure. And um, I, yeah, I'm at the point now where I'm just trying to, I sort of, there have been times when I've underestimated the impact that I'm having on people who who never actively engage in the things that I'm doing. Yeah, There have been times when I'm, you know, when I wrote Thinking Grow Rich, The Legacy, I'm like, I've I had half a million words of research notes. I interviewed all these people. I put this book together. I think it's a good product. And yeah. I'm like, when am I going to start to get like the yield of these different things? Like, when is someone going to give a shit? Yeah. And then I had a, I, I heard my phone in the other room just go ding ding, 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 ding. And Rob Deerdeck had shared it on his Instagram stories because I sent him a couple of copies. This is before it was released. And um, he, he shared it on Instagram about how much he loved it and like, great job, James, and all these different things. And I was like, that was so great to hear that. And then there's been other times when I've posted vulnerable things or, or, or posted other stuff. And I've had people message me to say that they're going through a transition moment in their life or they just read that vulnerable post that I did. 
and they've been following everything that I have done. And just to say, keep going because you're inspiring me and so many other people. Again, this is someone who would never actively like, comment, share, as far as I know, any of this stuff. But they're listening, they're watching, they're paying attention. And not only do I have an enormous sense of duty to myself and my family and my community, I have a a huge obligation and sense of duty to those people who I know are watching. Even people might right now, if you're not receiving those messages, you're not going to start receiving them by stopping. You're only going to begin to open the floodgates to receiving those messages like you receive and like I receive when you're consistent with that and you have a specific purpose and you're consistent with it over the long term. Yeah. I, I'm, you're just building resilience, right? And that resistance in there. I'm curious uh, with you, what do you think? I mean, you, you might've highlighted this a little bit uh, in this previous discussion, but like, what do you think the difference is between those that succeed and those that do not? Such a great, important question. Uh, to me, environment is one of the biggest ones. Now, I've, I've, you know, I think back to even some of the people I went to high school with. There was one guy who was the, his, uh, his grandfather was a Rhodes Scholar. His great grandfather was a Rhodes Scholar, and these were like the icons in terms of the history of the school that I went to. And the son was just a complete, you know, hopeless case in, in all of these different things. Mm. And um, sometimes that can be the pressure of living up to someone who, who went before you. But if you're in an environment that doesn't nurture your unique gifts and, and, and begins with by identifying what your unique gifts are to help you go all in on that and raising your idea of what's possible with those unique gifts and supporting that through activities that you actually enjoy. Like if someone hates doing math homework, don't give them eight hours a day of math homework. Yeah. Find something they're, they're good at. Yeah. Like I was good at building relationships. And as I've gone lean more and more into that, it's opened up the world rather than trying to repair the things that I was never inherently good at. So yeah. that environment is such a big piece. So that's the environment in terms of where you grew up, like your origin story. But then it's your environment around there. Like I, I have just moved, like where you where you live and where you work and, and where you spend the most time. Like I live in a very clean house. It's motivi- motivating. It lets in a lot of natural light. Um, when I last spoke to you, I was upstairs. I just moved, We just remodeled our, our garage. So I've got a new studio now, but I've got this giant canvas print behind me that says action the difference between having and wanting yeah. and that that it's going to sit here probably tomorrow when i when i put it up but i see that and i feel that every single day so that's like my the environment where i spend the most time it's it's very uh motivating and inspiring for me to deliver that and then i think into uh, uh, the other thing from there would be um the people that you're that you're hanging around i yeah. mean you've got to be around successful people who have the success that you want i just interviewed a guy wes denning on my show on my on my podcast and he said that he wants to be really successful but a huge thing for him is that he wants to be around other really successful people and he wants to help them be even more successful and it's such a great attitude and mindset to have and if you got those things dialed in just filling your brain through listening to podcasts like this one reading books or or listening to audio books if you can start doing those things on a regular basis and switching off a lot of the a lot of the crap then i think you will have all of the tools that you need to be successful as you define it yeah i mean i think it's the evolution of a leader right i mean for for so much of it it's at the beginning you're you have that inferior complex that you're not good enough and then you come to realize through the reading and through the podcast and through your learning that you you do know what to do. And then it becomes about who are you surrounding yourself because they're the ones. And you said this earlier about when I have somebody that is raising their hand that will commit to my mentorship, I will move mountains for them. 
And you do that by who you are and what you're able to provide for them. And so the who is so important. And I just love that you actually you highlighted that. So I think that's super key. I want to go, go ahead if you want to say something. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I just had a, a, a client who um, – who joined me very, very recently. It's someone, I literally don't have any other spots available. I made one available for this, this, this person because she's just such an incredible person and we, we know each other quite well now. She has that commitment. And when someone has, has a, had a lot of experience and has got a lot of good relationships, some of the biggest things that you can help someone with might necessarily be a strategy or a tactic, but one relationship that you can yeah. open up for them could completely change their life. Like we had one conversation the other day where I was able to connect her with like-minded people who were disrupting the same industry and parallel industries around the world that can be enormously beneficial and help her give her a 10x in terms of her idea of what's possible and get there much faster. So just having that, the who, not the how, it's such a big a big piece of the puzzle in terms of your growth and your trajectory. Yeah, without a doubt. I love that you highlighted that. Um, I want to go back to the book really quick. First of all, how long did it take you to write the book? I, I, writing doesn't come hard to me. Okay. Writing's a big, a, a, a difficult thing to do for so many people. And uh, it's just, you know, I mentioned a few of the things that I sucked at earlier. Writing okay. is something I've always naturally really enjoyed. Okay. It's something that comes very easy to me. And um, it was at university where I actually, so I now actually have a degree in English and writing, which means my passion for writing was then combined with a technical expertise. So it means I don't need proof proofreaders and, and all that as well. It's, so writing is definitely a big strength of mine and it's why I have so much written uh, content out there yeah. on an ongoing basis. But yeah, about nine months to write the book and oh. half a million words of, uh, of research notes. That is amazing. You're making all the other <laughs> authors out there, including myself, so jealous because it is, <laughs> it, it is uh, they, they always kind of say that writing your first book especially is like having your first child. It's really, yeah. really challenging. And when, 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 it come, when it comes to a so the, the real work for a book, once you've got the book written, that's 20% of the whole thing. Yeah. That's when the, the other 80% is how can you get this book into the hands of as many people yes. as possible? Without and um, the reason that book was written in nine months is because I pretty much had a gun to my head in terms of the other producers of the film and, and everything else. It's like there's a movie coming out. Yeah. In conjunction with the Napoleon Hill Foundation, who has massive lists, if we can't get this book out at the same time, it's a massive opportunity wasted. Yes. So that was huge in terms of the deadlines and having that external accountability that helped me get that done very quickly. I mean, being completely open and upfront about this, there are other book projects that I've been thinking about for years and years and years. Because there's no urgency, they just haven't been able to, to move yeah. forward. It's been harder for me to prioritize that on a daily basis. So um, yeah, but book projects, having that external accountability, Accountability is, is big, but I, I think when it comes to, to, to book projects, if anyone who wants to be successful in that, you got to think about what's the ROI from someone who's going to spend the 20 bucks to buy the book and then spend like the six hours or whatever it might be reading it. Yeah. Like that's a lot of responsibility you have to be able to give at least 10 times the amount of value back to someone. So yeah. when you focus on the value and the transformation that you want to have, just simply breaking that up into those smaller subcategories, which would be things like chapters and writing three points on each of those things that you can then expand. You'll have a book done or at least an outline of it done very, very quickly. And it's a much more attainable goal than just saying getting a book completed is yeah. just going through that process I just mentioned there. Yeah, absolutely. For those for people that have not read either book, right? Think and Grow Rich and or Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy. Why does someone need to make that a priority? 
There's so many little themes in there. So there's the 13 principles of, of Think and Grow Rich, which are things like desire, faith, imagination, specialized knowledge, power of the mastermind, all of those different things. There's a few little tidbits that Napoleon Hill includes in there. Now, a lot of people hear Think and Grow Rich and think, you know, very much like the movie The Secret and the Law of Attraction that it only requires thinking. Yet the word action is written 77 times in the original Think and Grow Rich. And the quote from Napoleon Hill is, action is the real measure of intelligence. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what degree you have or don't have. It matters what you do with what you know, not what you know. And it's a very, very important distinction. And then the starting point of all this stuff, Napoleon, the, the first principle is desire. So Napoleon Hill wrote that the starting point of all achievement is desire. If you don't want something, You're not going to be motivated to create the plan and have the resourcefulness to acquire everything you need to make that a reality or be resilient enough when adversity inevitably strikes as it does for all of us. And then the ninth principle of Think and Grow Rich, which is my personal favorite, is the power of the mastermind, which basically talks about bringing people into your mission to make it a shared mission, that you and I can do so much better together if we help each other rather than working in isolation. So I also have had a lot of people reach out to me and say, look, I've tried to read Think and Grow Rich. It was a very difficult read, and it can be a difficult read read. That's why I wanted to make Think and Grow Rich a legacy. They're short stories. You can get through it very, very easy. So you'll be motivated to action. You will be able to see a blueprint of what other people have been able to do in a modern context. And you'll be able to interpret that plan and that inspiration in your own way. So I think they work hand in hand. But for anyone who's looking for inspiration and direction, and then the right blueprint to create for your own life, then I think those two books would work out really well. What do you think is missing in today's culture? in today's world that the principles of your book and the previous book apply? Connection's such a big one. Yeah. A quote that I just keep coming back to is a Stephen Covey quote, seek first to understand and then be understood. Oh, Everyone yeah. is trying to ram their beliefs yeah. down other, like someone else's throat. Yeah. I know enough to know that I, I don't really know much at all. I have a lot of learning and growing to do. I look back yeah. at James Whitaker from 10 years ago. I'm like, oh my God, what was... <laughs> What was he doing with the microphone? Not that I, I don't think I really had a microphone in my hand at that stage, but you know, it's amazing how much growth we have, we have had in that time. So if I'm thinking about then in another 10 years, like these, these things, there's a lot of growing. So that's why I'm so big on asking the right questions because through uh, questions comes understanding and from understanding comes connection and through connection comes leveraging the power of relationships and resourcefulness and all of those different things. So when you give without the expectation of getting anything in return, you're going to have a lot of people, a whole army of people who want to help you. But unfortunately, and very, very sadly, what most people do is they seek out their own confirmation bias, or they're trying to ram their own misinformed opinion down someone else's throat. Mm -hmm. And then someone else on the other side is going to, you know, they're going to try and ram their beliefs. And they end up with this social media brawl, people spending hours and hours a day, complete strangers. You don't even, you don't even know each other. I mean, compare that to the conversation that you and I are having today or that we had the other day. Like it's, it's just so much better to have these meaningful conversations where we ask great questions, where we try and walk a mile in someone else's shoes so we can understand the struggles that they're going through. And even, even like think about some of the, the, 
bigger challenges that are, that are going on at the moment. Like the one recently was the whole Roe v. Wade thing. It's yeah. like, I feel like I didn't know enough about these different things to be able to have an informed opinion on it. So that's where I've really enjoyed asking a lot of different questions from, from people in different situations, just to find out where their head's at, to fill in any knowledge gaps that, yeah. that I didn't have. Um, but most people are very quick to have an opinion on something that they know nothing about without seeking what they believe is a good truth or at least an informed opinion. Yeah, we've lost we've lost the ability to have sympathy, haven't we? Mm. You know, and that because we want to pass judgment, we want to have, make accusations, and we want to uh, we want to win the battle without really understanding what the true argument is, right? Huge, and the virtue signaling as yeah. well. It's like you yeah. think you're really going to change the world by yeah. changing, like you, you know, putting out one post. It's like go and do some yeah. go and do some real change. We see yeah. these hypocritical companies that are changing their logo in America, yet in Saudi Arabia, <laughs> they don't say they don't say a word about that. Exactly, <laughs> absolutely. You're absolutely right. I'm glad you said that. I'm kind of curious. This is a little bit off the subject that we've been talking about. What it's really come to light because I know you know you're an author, you're a speaker, you run a mastermind, you coach clients, uh, you you uh, run an organization to help people become the best podcast uh, in their category out there. Like so, there's a lot of hats that you're wearing, and I love that. How do you manage self care? Really good question. Uh, self-care for me really comes back to the morning for the most part. I'm mm -hmm. actually, you know, I talk about winning the day all the time. I don't actually jump out of bed first thing in the morning. I don't think there's been a single day in my 39 years on this planet <laughs> when I've woken up and gone, wow, I'm really, ex what a, how great for the opportunity to leave my unbelievably comfortable bed. Yes. I, I wake up and I'm like, all I want to do is close my eyes and, and go back to sleep. Yeah. So I've, I've interviewed some, some sleep scientists now to have a bit more of an understanding around that, which is great. But the morning routine is cold shower. So before I have yeah. the cold shower, I make the acknowledgement, the decision to win. So I have this, uh, anyone who's watching the video version of this, I actually have win the day here on my my intent bracelet. So in the morning, I look at that my intent bracelet and I say that this day is here to be won or lost. I'm going to make the decision to win this day. Mm. Then I have what I call the sacrifice phase, which is the cold shower where I'm proving that I've turned up for the day to win. Yeah. Then after that, I'll go and get a um, morning coffee outside in the sunshine. I think it's good to get a bit of sunshine first thing in the morning if yes. you live in a location that would allow that. <laughs> it's also the reason I don't want to wake up at five o'clock when there's no sun to be had. Uh -huh. <laughs> and and um, I have a morning coffee. I just write down my, I use something called the day one journal, um, which is like a digital thing on, on your mobile phone that just backs everything up. So I can look back at what I was doing 343 days ago if I want to, which for anyone wow. who's a parent, I think that's it's nice to do that. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the journal, I always write down, what are my three goals for today? Hmm. And if I can do those different, if I can do those different things, that to me is is usually a slam dunk on the condition that I haven't stacked up my day too much. So the only other thing apart from that would be making sure at least I get one really good like disciplined focused exercise workout a day where I go and do like a proper fitness class for 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and making sure I uh, every two weeks I block off one Friday. So every second Friday, no meetings, which if I want to go and have a surf, I can go and have a surf. If yeah. I want to, you know, do whatever I want to do. If I want to catch up on work, I can, I can do that. So there's some of the things that I, that I do for self-care. Do you do anything for recovery? Uh, mental, physical yeah. work recovery? Yeah, recovery? just like recovery of yourself because, you know, a lot of the things that you're describing is about filling your cup, right? Filling yourself again. And when we deplete ourselves, 
we've got to have that time for just recovery, that client, that time for silent, that the silence, that time for just maybe some meditation or just to kind of remove ourselves from that. You say, obviously you take a Friday off every two weeks, but is there anything that you're doing that, you know, just helps you get centered again and recovered mentally, physically, emotionally? Yeah, so I, I uh, something that's so basic is I actually like just going for a walk around the neighborhood, a bit of sunshine, a bit of light exercise. That's that's really good. Um, I'll be honest, it's 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 we have a, a son who's six months old. Mm-hmm. He wakes up three times a night. Now my <laughs> wife does most, you know, ninety nine percent of the the work for that, thankfully. But I'm in yeah. the same room hearing the. Hearing the hearing the screams is only so much that the father can do uh, in that situation. Um, so you try and help out as best you can. So it means that you're waking up very very tired every single day, and it surprised me how much you can actually the body can function yes. in sustained periods from yes. from a lack of sleep. So we're at a, we're at a phase now where soon we're about to put him into his own room. Hopefully uh-huh. he's going to start sleeping a little bit better soon, and that's the moment there where things can go and get a little bit better. But for for anyone who's a parent, like it's. It can be complete chaos. We have a, a three-year-old who's very energetic, running around like crazy, doing all of these different things. It's like, how do you balance these things? Where if you you, you might have a nanny or something, we're, we're grateful that we that we do have one who can um, who can come and help out during the day. But if she calls in sick, my wife has a, a very stressful, challenging job. We both have to travel a ton for work. Mm-hmm. When you think about self-care, if you've got two kids that you're managing on your own with a very full work calendar, uh, a kid who wakes up constantly, another kid who might be having some some tantrums and some troubles, like it can be, it can be really tough. So the self-care for me is the thing that sort of breaks me down a bit, which would be the um, just that opportunity to go and do like that 45-minute class for me. I feel like I recover mentally and it just brings me down. And on a daily basis, that that journaling that I do in the morning is is my I, – I, I did meditation, which completely alleviated my negative self-talk. Yeah. And I reached a point there where I just – I just never loved meditation. Most of the people who I who I talk to are obsessed with meditation, yeah. do it constantly. It's just not something and I've tried so many different types. The morning journal for me with the sunshine, the coffee, and my wife is amazing at just giving me that 15 minutes, that 20 minutes outside to myself to do that. That to me, I yeah. I, I feel the benefits that I felt with um with meditation. Well, I mean, honestly, getting into the sun actually puts your body into a routine so that it actually wakes it up. And then as mm-hmm. the day continues to unfold, it actually will sl- slow you down so that you are prepared for sleep. So I think there's, there's a tremendous amount of scientific, uh, studies that have been, that have proven that getting that morning sun and first thing is absolutely imperative for your body to be on that cycle. So, sure. well, as we, as we kind of close up here, I got, I got two questions for our, for our audience. One is we've got, uh, we've got a lot of young business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are just starting it. They've got that passion. They've got that purpose. They've got, they've got what they believe is, uh, needed in this market. What is one thing that they need to be instilled with from the beginning in order to give them the most pristine opportunity for success? I would say, don't be a discount version of someone else. Be your true self. Mm. Think about what it is that's most important to you and what's the problem that you want to solve. I interviewed a guy once where I said to him, like, what do you say to people? Like, do you say the, to, to, to kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because I say that a lot and I hate it. Like, I hate asking kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because I, I still don't know what I want to be when I, when I grow up. So he said he asked kids, what problem do you want to solve? And I love that. So getting oh, clear on what problem that good. you want to solve and what's the unique way that you do that. And the second bit of that is being able to access the unbelievably 
talented, generous, kind, compassionate people who are out there. And you need a platform to be able to do that. You could do that by writing a book. You could do that by launching a TV series. The easiest way to do that, in my opinion, in my experience, is to have a podcast because you can do it for literally zero dollars. You could try and like I've had billion dollar founders on my show who I just never would have been able to, to reach out to. Except through my podcast, we can sit down at a time that suits me. You know, obviously, I try and be very flexible with my guests, but we sit down there for one fixed hour where you can ask them any question that you want. And the best bit about that, aside from the relationship that gets developed, is that that is a single master asset from which you can create a near infinite amount of content, like micro pieces of content. So I had a video the other day with um, Chris Voss, who's the author of Never Split the Difference. Yes, great book. He got 580,000 views on TikTok, 110,000 views on, uh, on Facebook. Like this is all content. I'm getting about half a million views a month on social media through content that already exists. It's just yeah. the podcast that was recorded, a video person cuts that up, and it's organic social media growth on platforms like TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and everything else. So to sort of tie all that in, it's like, what's your thing that's uniquely you? So for mine, my big passion and what I want to do is helping people win the day every day. I bring on guests who are amazing, you know, you coming up very soon, which I'm really excited about. People who are who are very well qualified to talk on that. We have an amazing interview, give them amazing social media content, like social media assets that they can use to share on their profiles afterwards, yeah. which has to be video. It's just so much more shareable than, than anything else right. and um, maintaining that presence in their lives. And if you do that and enough people know about who you help and what mission that you're on and how they can help, then you just got to be patient because the entire world is going to shift in a positive way through yeah. that. Love it. That's awesome. So now we've got entrepreneurs, seasoned business owners, right? And they've had some success, but they still haven't broke through that glass ceiling. Words of wisdom for them as they continue to just push and grind and do everything they can to be successful. There's that quote that I, I, I love a good quote, as, as people have found out by now. <laughs> yeah. What is it? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting yeah. a different result. Mm-hmm. So trying to work harder, and running harder on the treadmill, I think, and doing what you've always been doing, I feel like is a bit of a recipe for disaster. So thinking to yourself, like, what would it look like if this was simple? And really just breaking that back. Like, if I could do this with less hours, what would what would have to be what would have to be true? And identifying where the bottleneck is in your business. Like, there's got to be mm. something. Like, yeah. is it getting the attention? Like, is it getting access to sort of that top of funnel? Is it when you have the attention from those people? Like, maybe you're getting a lot of people into your ecosystem, but they're not doing anything. So, what are you doing to make them part of the conversation so they can engage with you and your brand? And then maybe it's not that, then it's going to be on the sales side, which might be how you're getting them to raise their hand for help. What are you doing to have a system to sell so you can optimize your conversions and, and have that retention? So something with attention, something with engagement, something with sales. The bottleneck for your business is going to be in one of those three different fields. Think about what that is, resolve that in a smart, simple way, and um, figure out the right relationships who can help you have the success that you want. That's awesome. That's brilliant. Well, the one more thing they can do is they can actually start following you and start <laughs> using all the resources that you have. So uh, give our audience, how, how can they best follow you? How can they best get your resources? How can they best see how they can possibly work with you, whether it's a mastermind, individual coaching, or if they do want to elevate themselves with a podcast and become the number one in their category, given the, the way that they can connect with you? 
Would love to connect. Uh, connect with me on uh, at James Witt at Instagram. So J-A-M-E-S-W-H-I-T-T. My website's also jameswitt.com. Uh, TikTok, I'm going hard at that. I've, I've really been enjoying TikTok. So mm. it's JP Witt is my username on that. But if you just search James Witt, it could win the day on all of these different platforms. We can connect. Say hi. Anything I can do to help, please let me know. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you, brother. I've been looking forward to uh, talking with you, not only about the books, but just the stuff that you're doing. It's so inspiring. You've got a great story. You're making a huge impact in our world and our community. And so I just, I, I th can't thank you enough for answering the call to leadership and putting yourself out there because the world is a better place because of you, man. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me on. And thanks for having such a great show. All right. All right. So you guys know, hey, listen, price of admission in this whole entire podcast is to p pass this on to somebody else. James had, a sh had an amazing story for you today. He had a great message. And we know that this will be value to somebody. So pass it along. Let somebody else hear this so it will inspire them. 